Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. I just thought I'd play that song. You know, that was genuinely, I had no idea you were going to do that. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> in shock. I thought I'd liven things up because this is the holidays. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that because it feels like Barcelona, it feels like Spain. Um, and big news, we are an international sensation. We are number 205 in the Spanish podcast investing charts. I've always said Spanish people love us. Right, and we're recording today. It feels like Barcelona, not only because we're flying high at two hundred and five in the Spanish podcast impact investment charts, but because as we record this, we we're in a air conditioned office. But the UK is probably hitting its its all time temperature record. Um, temperatures expected to get over four degrees. I'm sure everybody knows and is well aware and is experiencing today. Um, but we thought, well, we'll do a heatwave special. Um, and what we're going to look at is obviously we want to relate that back to impact investing but we're going to look at whether impact investing can really create a cooler future whether it can actually how how does it work what does it mean in the context of impact investing and you know probably not much help today but can impact investing and can you as an impact investor contribute to cooling or at least stopping extreme warming of the planet. So, yeah. Tom, as always, I'll ask you a question. Okay. Let's just recap on what is impact investing in this, in this context. Yeah. Before I do that, very, very quickly, there's obviously a lot of, there's a lot of, there's some negatives because of the heat. Um, but what we're, we're intentionally focusing on, the positive things that you can do about the situation, yeah. uh, the climate situation. And the main positive, in our view, is, is impact investing and aligning your money with the companies that are actually already actively trying to solve this problem. So impact investing is investing for financial return. We would say at least market rate financial return, if not more long term. Um, so investing for that level of return um, into companies that are directly trying to address the biggest social and environmental problems of our of our time through their business model, the product and service that they sell. Um, and so today's focus being on the climate segment of that, which is you know between around about half of, of the impact investing uh, impact investing world. So investing for great future returns with um, with measurable positive social and environmental outcomes born about by the business models of the companies that you're investing in. Yeah, and I think um, you know when it comes, it comes to climate change, you say it's half half of the market there, but it's it's also I think it's important to understand the scale of the problem because mm-hmm. we talk about impact investing being addressing the biggest challenges that humanity faces um, and investing in business trying to solve problems at scale and all the rest of it. I think it's just important to understand the the scale mm-hmm. of of climate change is an issue yeah and it's basically uh this is this is not my original content this is pulled from bill gates book which should, called, should have kept it as your own <laughs> how to avoid a climate disaster um but effectively there's two numbers 
zero, which is net zero, where we need to get to, and 51 billion. 51 billion is the amount of carbon equivalent, 51 billion tons is the amount of carbon equivalent emissions that we produce as a planet every year. And effectively, we have to try and net that number. Just And, and I think the point here is it's just more than about producing some clean energy. Because if you look at how that 51 billion tons is, is, is split up, yeah. it's basically production making things is about 31%. And of that, and, and within that 31, 10% point of that is just producing steel and cement. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you can't solve climate change without solving yeah. some alternative to steel and cement. There's production of electricity, which most people think it is the be all and end all. Is the, is the climate change solved? It's just over a quarter, so 27% of the 51 billion tons is from the production of electricity, burning fossil fuels to create electricity. And then growing things, basically plants and animals, is 19%. Transport, freight, all of that getting around, this is how it's classed, is 16%. And of that 16%, it's only half which is down to passenger cars. Yeah. So again, electric vehicles held up as the yeah the solution, but actually within transport, it's only a, it's only half the half the problem, and, and it's only half of sixteen percent. Yeah. Um, and then heating, cooling, refrigeration, the remaining is the remaining seven percent. Yeah. So the scale of the problem we're trying to solve is to reduce all of those areas of of the economy, of our lives, of of just human activity down to net zero. It covers everything from from producing electricity, transport, what we eat, how we how we cool, how we heat, it's every aspect. Yeah. And I think that's important in terms of the context of the scale of this yeah. as a problem. One thing I will say on that is electricity is only twenty seven percent or only. But if you if you can if you can find a way to make renewable energy, you know, net zero electricity that then powers all of these other aspects, yeah, yeah, yeah. then that starts to become yeah. obviously a greater share of the solution. Yeah. We've obviously both read that that that, that book. And I'm, I'd really recommend it to anybody who wants the kind of one oh one in in climate change and what causes it. And as as you just laid out there, the scale and how multifaceted it is, everyone thinks it's sort cars out and then power everything with real energy. There's many more areas that need to be tackled um, of equal importance for that. But I think it's a really easy to read and quick guide to the current state of play and how we might actually tackle it in the future. And it's not like a doom and gloom negative book. It's very, very practical and um, yeah. well thought through. Yeah, and the audio book's good as well. Is it by the the introduction is no. but no, I mean most audio books are terrible in my view, but yeah, yeah. But the this one actually was one. Yeah. I think I think as well, just to put into context as well from an investor's point of view, is what is the cost of all those things? Mm. So it's really hard obviously to put just a pounds and pence number on it. But um Rowan Hooper who wrote, wrote a book called How to Spend a Trillion Dollars, uh, which again is another good book. Um he, he he spoke to some Stanford professors and tried to put a number on it, and basically they came up with just under $100 trillion mm-hmm. to get to net zero by 2050. Yeah. Um, now, whether that's the right time frame or whether that's the right number yeah. are, two, are two other arguments that we, you know, we don't have time on this, this particular yeah. podcast to go into. But if you put that into context, 
100 trillion today, 100 trillion dollars is about 83 billion pound. And if you look at what we spend on, say, the NHS, yeah. which is you know held up as the big expense for, for this country every year, you know, a huge part of government spending, uh, we spend about 190 billion a year on the NHS. Mm. So 83 trillion into 190 billion is equivalent of funding the NHS for 437 years. Yeah. So that's the that's the scale yeah. of this, and that's why you need private capital and impact investment. Yeah. You know, people often ask, well, "Why don't governments and charities just take care of these kind of things?" It's because of the scale of the problems. You need massive amounts of private capital go, that go towards solving these issues with a, with a profit motive, which means they can scale, and which means you can attract more capital to them, so we can solve them faster. We can't just leave these huge things to be to be uh, to be solved by governments and charities they do not have the scale of private capital markets yeah yeah so should we look at um i think there's two ways of thinking about this from an investment point of view i would say there's there's areas which are currently highly investable mm-hmm. um you know around around climate that that are accessible that there's plenty of plenty of basically listed companies that that are working in those areas We'll probably just go run through those first, and then yeah. and then there's a couple of areas where actually on the other side there's where we can explore where there's, there's perhaps the newer areas of the market, yeah. but are probably developing. So, so what, what would you say the first sort of main areas that are now considered investable for climate climate change? I think there's some of the kind of more obvious areas that we discussed, like clean energy, energy efficient technologies, like energy storage, battery storage, smart grid technologies. Um, to a lesser extent, green buildings, but green construction, building maintenance, that's becoming a little bit more common now. Um, EVs, we've mentioned, obviously, Tesla, the consumer brand in that sector, but all the component parts will go into Tesla as well. They've been, they've been you know, climate change thematic investable for, for quite a while now, and they're quite common. And areas that go into greenhouse gas reduction that are starting to become a little bit more popular in, 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 in listed markets like carbon capture and storage and pollution prevention companies. These are more of the typical investments within climate. Definitely clean energy and electric vehicles being a lot more understood from a consumer retail yeah. perspective. Yeah, and I think I think if you if you the way I look at that, maybe perhaps other than the carbon capture stuff, most of those areas are focusing on something we're doing now and trying to create the equivalent that is that is net neutral yeah um so like clean energy production will we'll stop producing we'll stop producing electricity through coal power plants and, yeah. and we'll start producing through other renewable sources evs we'll you know we'll 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 take burning fossil fuels to move us around to some sort of battery powered yeah um electric electric solution the other way of looking at this is not only bringing all these areas down to net zero, but it's also about um, how do you create how do you create a world where we just sort of are more efficient. Yeah. So, uh, and that's where we go into sort of a like a, a resources mm-hmm. type area of investment, which is perhaps not as well understood, not as obvious, but it's another area of the market that's developing in terms of things around around. Uh, waste reduction and yeah. recycling efficiency and, and some of those areas. Tom, if you, if, 
Yeah, I think I think that this is part of the, the next wave or the, or the next layer deeper in trying to tackle the complexities of climate. Um, you know, renewable energy, electric vehicles, very, very important, but as we discussed previously, it's only a component part. So looking at how we use our natural resources and promoting things like the circular economy, use it with like water preservation companies, companies focused on waste reduction, um, circular economic systems by that, you kind of mean like recycled and renewable inputs or bio-based stock sustainable packaging that goes into consumer goods and then how do we use the existing resources that we have more efficiently um, so using things like smart materials or packaging avoidance the companies that are using alternatives to the, to the traditional stuff that you see in supermarkets again these things are massive uh, new investable impact areas that when they come through, when they're adopted, they're not really noticed at a consumer level, but they're, yeah. but they're system, examples of systemic change that is slowly becoming more investable, um, that's a little bit less obvious than renewable energy and electric vehicles. Yeah, and it's more two-pronged, isn't it? So it's more about being more efficient with, with the energy consumption. So if you just bring energy consumption down, yeah. then you know, you've, got, you've got less of a problem to solve. Yes. But also, if you're creating you know, alternative materials and things like that that don't require the the carbon intensive inputs yeah then obviously you, you create uh you, you're tackling the problem from both sides so i think that's where where i and i think you and we as a we as a business as well when we see all the areas that are being worked on both in changing the current system and improving what the usage of what we already have we're still very optimistic about our potential to solve these issues because we're, 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 there's so many smart people now working on these problems across all these different sub-industries that go into climate that are not that obvious when you think about climate change as a problem, that snowballed over time with enough capital gone towards them, it's hard to see that we won't make progress on these problems over time. Yeah. And then just one, one sort of final area that we, we wanted to look at was, and, it, and I, don't, I think this is the least obvious from an investment yeah. point of view. Mm -hmm. Obviously, most people know that ecosystems and basically the natural environment and, and looking after that is a huge important part of not only creating a planet we want to live on but it's also an important thing for, for climate change as well um but as an investable area tom what yeah you know what what could you look at uh, yeah ecosystems sustainable ecosystems and, and promoting more biodiversity they cover areas like agricultural technology so things like you may have heard of precision farming or vertical farming how do we make that industry more sustainable and more future looking um sustainable food systems um you know looking at the supply chain looking at plant-based foods including meat alternatives how do we make the the food that we consume and the system that that creates it more sustainable without consumers having to give up anything without them having to necessarily notice Related to that is forest regeneration. How do we more sustainably manage our forests? How do we how do we cultivate more forests? Um, and how do we do increase the biodiversity of the forests that we are planting? And then you know the, the, an area that we would look at and call like nature-based solutions. So things like looking at soil pollution, um, uh, habitat rehabilitation, and then then oceans and marine preservation. I think really really misunderstood or kind of not understood in any meaningful way is the role that our oceans and having a healthy kind of um, um, ha having healthy oceans, how that plays a huge role in climate change, something Bill Gates goes into in his book a little bit. So looking at companies that are trying to tackle that problem as well and promote general uh, biodiversity and, and health within our ocean systems. So hopefully that's sort of like a, a, an introduction into some of the areas and perhaps some areas that you wouldn't necessarily think were that obvious, both from a maybe a natural way to, to look at solving climate change but also as a way 
where you could actually invest your own money or an area that you could invest your own money in. Um, so that's all, that's all well and good. So how does it work? That's, <laughs> I don't have worked with you for a long time and it's just all about it. How, how does investing as an individual, your personal money, your pension or your ISA or your, your, your savings into these areas actually help? Yeah, there's a great that we've used in the past that, that, that I'll kind of trot out again, Nordea, which is the biggest bank in, uh, in, in the Nordic region. They, they did a piece of research which said that aligning your money, your investable money, your pension, your, your, your ISA, um, whatever you have, with companies that are actively trying to solve climate change in one way or another, is 27 times more effective at, at combating climate change than taking less flights and going vegan and other, other things like that combined. is 27 times more effective than doing anything else combined. And that's because when the idea, the whole big idea of impact investing, obviously for the individual, it's you're earning great returns and you're doing it in a way that builds the future, and that's the feel good factor. But the bigger picture thing is what we're trying to do together is invest in these amazing businesses, and as we do, that drives up the stock price of these businesses over time. And when you drive up the stock price of the business, it means that that business can basically lend money. They can either issue more equity, more ownership in the company, and that gets them money, or they can issue some debt, take out a loan, that gets them money. It, by driving the stock price, it reduces the cost of the business uh, of those two forms of financing. And they can use that financing to do more of what they do. They can have more of an impact, expand their operations, um, and tackle climate or other areas in a much bigger and more meaningful way than they could before. That's the big picture idea of impact investing. It's to invest in these businesses, drive money to them, then they can raise money to do more of what they do and can have more of an impact over time. That's the actual, like, I suppose, technical way that impact investing, the way that we do it in these companies, can actually have a real-world impact on in, in the actual economy on the ground. Yeah, and I think the, the other thing that I'd add to that is that we talk about, you know, well, we've spoken about some of the, the, the dollar amounts, which are huge, and you need, therefore, as much capital as possible to yeah. fall behind these these areas to, to, to help combat the issue. But the other thing we talk about is just numbers of individuals. Mm. So I think it can often feel sort of pointless as yeah. an individual. It doesn't matter what I do, the problem's too big, et cetera, et cetera. But, but as an individual and as consumers more broadly, I think that we have the, the weight of voice is actually something that's meaningful. And actually just it more people who invest this way, the more people who get behind uh who, who you know vocally put their money towards impact investing, industry shift, you know, extremes move the average yeah. effectively. So if if you know, if banks get more people knocking on their door saying we want this type of investing, if, if financial advisors do, if wealth managers do, if institutions do, if pension providers do, etc., etc., all of a sudden they have to start building product up or offering product to, to, to cater for those needs. Ultimately, yeah. they have to offer that product if they want to carry on making money. Yeah. Before you know it, the whole thing just starts to shift. Yeah. And I think as individuals, we, we, we massively underestimate how our individual impact has an effect on the collective and then has an effect on yeah. on moving those averages yeah. because not everybody has to change for the average to change yeah exactly uh, it's just it's like a positive signal effect and the ripple effect that can have over time in an industry again that's another reason to be positive it, we're not we're not we're talking about systemic change yes 
but we can make step-by-step change and have these massive positive ripple effects that grow exponential over time in all these different areas. And we can actually tackle these problems this way. That's why capital markets or you know, investing in listed businesses or investing in businesses is a huge part, an important part to the solution to these problems because they are efficient. And when, when money flows to them, things do happen in the real world. And that's all we're trying to instigate more is to catalyze a faster, um, a faster route to these companies doing more on the ground and expanding their impact. That's what impact investing is. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, this is just fundamentally something you can do as an individual. Yeah. Your options are relatively limited in terms of having an impact on a global scale. Yeah. But, you know, you can, without any real impact on your lifestyle, your your future prospects, the return that you might get on your money, the the cost of those investments, the extra management, so none of that exists. It's just something that you can do practically yourself mm-hmm. is ensure that any investments you have are aligned. Yeah, it's the most low effort, but most high impact of what you could do towards these issues. And it also generates you a positive long-term financial return as well. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You don't have to give up certain food types. You, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to go to loads of personal strength. Just align where your pension is invested, align where your ISO is invested. It's good for you and good for everyone else. And it's the, it's the biggest way you can have an impact on the world. So have we answered the question? Can impact investing create a cooler future? Not only does it make you seem cooler, <laughs> Yeah, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> it definitely does. I mean, I suppose the point is, you as an individual can't fix the issue. Not on its own. Not it can't. And, and, impact, and just everybody moving their pension and ISA won't fix the issue either. Yeah. This is a, it's an issue that needs to permeate every sector of the economy, every country on the planet, every government, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to get this to a point where the issue is actually solved, but I think it, I think it shouldn't be discounted as a, as a real practical, meaningful way that you can, as an individual, when oftentimes it just feels like pointless. Yeah, you can have you can. It's a reason to be optimistic. It's a practical thing you can do as an individual. So, I suppose in the short term, no, no. get out of the paddling pool. <laughs> Hold yourself down. Have a cold beer or whatever. That's my top tip. <laughs> um, but in the long term, I think it has to be part of the part of the uh, solution. One hundred percent. Do you have a nice outro song for us? I didn't think about an outro song. But you want to sing something? Probably not. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Impact investing from circa five thousand. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.